A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners, so let's be friends. The title of today's show is, I was forecast for an afternoon nap by now. How did we mess this up? That from Michael Clays on Twitter, because it was too exciting a race to nap for. And I'm used to F1 being a nap sport because I've been watching it since 18 dickety seven. But I'm so, so glad we've had a properly all-out entertaining race this weekend because I was starting to get scared that I was going to lose some of my new F1 friends that have come to the sport over the last few years. And yes, there is a lot to be appreciated in the midfield. You can look beyond the domination at the front, but every now and then you just need a lovely sprinkle of rain and a little bit of chaos to keep you interested. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Yes, yes, yes. And sometimes we're wrong about being first. Stop emailing us. But we're also joined in the shed by Matt. Two rumpets. Hello, Matthew. How many weather forecasts does it take to make an F1 strategist? The best thing about weather forecasts is that they are all entirely wrong. So you, you can be sitting just outside, being drenched in rain, holding up seven umbrellas trying to protect yourself, and you log into your weather app and it says, sunshine, you're fine. And the, the weather was unpredictable, not just to us, but also the teams today, which made it extra fun. Yeah, and that's, that's the genesis of any kind of race. What you expect to happen doesn't. We're joined by our race analyst, Jeansy, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hello, mate. Good evening. It's been a while, so I'm looking forward to unpacking this one because at least it was a good one. And despite the winner, there was loads going on. Yeah, but if, if you're a Verstappen fan, it was another brilliant race for the ninth time in a row. Yeah, shoving people off the circuit to win races. Oh, here we it's go. Before. It started already. And I know that you and I have got things to say about each other's second favourite drivers as well. Uh, we're joined in the show. One shed. of us is wrong. Oh, oh, go on. No, go on. Have it. One of us is wrong. Is it? <laughs> one, one, of us is, one of us is right and one of us is wrong, but we'll, we'll get there. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, you're definitely right about your one. I'm going to try, try and convince you I'm right about my one. We're joined by TikTok <laughs> sensation Antonio Rankin. How's it going, mate? 
Hi, good to be back. Thank you for having me back after so long. I feel like it's been forever. I need to remember how to analyze things again. I think I've forgotten. Wow. I have to say, for those of you who didn't join us on the pre-show, you went, you really switched gears then. Like you are coming across so like nice and pleasant right now. Oh, are you saying I'm not nice and pleasant? Oh, Spanners. <laughs> North boy. Everyone tune into the it's live It's like she's a pro or something. My good friend Spanners, who I would never, ever call small. <laughs> or, or insult physically. Okay, let's get on with our race review. Okay, that went downhill fast. I'll tell you what, though, Matt, the big ticket item, the big talking point, the thing that really brought this race alive was the most perfectly timed rain shower in F1 history. Everyone got going safely, which is, which is great, because at the moment in F1, if it's raining... They just wait. They won't let you go. It has turned into cricket or baseball where they're just waiting for this perfect window of opportunity. Well, they got it. They set off. We got a dry standing start and then instant rain. And it's it's like we have to fool the FIA. If we're controlling the weather, you have to convince them. You have to show them bright sunshine for the red lights going out. And then the second they pull off, you go, ha, 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 gotcha. Here's the rain. Now we've got a fun wet race. Yeah, and I think for once, although we're making fun of the FIA, we do have to hand it to them. They started the race on time, and they handled the rain in with minimal fuss, unlike previous occasions of which I can think. But really, what made it fun was it instantly presented the teams with a massive strategic problem. And I think as we look at the race, what we'll find is that the winners and losers in this race were all defined by their choices right after the weather hit. Uh, but we got you some... Had, go on, Alex. You had the op- absolute opportunity for um, teams to do their best Ferrari impression. And um, many didn't dis- disappoint, especially one particular team. This is it. Well, it. It was split, Antonio, wasn't it? We had some real winners and losers. I mean, Ferrari did a pretty good Ferrari impression, didn't they? All weekend, I think they were fumbling a little bit with, you know, small strategic decisions, even outside of the scope of the main race, the little things really added up for them. But yeah, there was some really great strategy. I loved when the rain came early on. It meant that we really had teams fragmenting off and doing completely different things. And it was really cool seeing it come together in different ways. Yeah, it's that snap. It's that snap decision. So from our sofas... Right. And look, we, we know we know we're armchair pundits, but that's the point. That's fun. Don't email me saying, oh, you're armchair pundits. We know that's that's the whole thing that we're doing here. But Alex, we were screaming at the screen. Oh, it was brilliant because when they started the race, even on the formation lap, there was no sign of rain. It was it was like, oh, OK, it's just gonna, they're going to mm. talk about mixed conditions later. But there was no sign of rain. And then they got through the third corner. And all of a sudden I'm seeing spots on the cameras. I'm like. What's going on? And then there is the biggest downpour at the other end of the circuit. And I'm flabbergasted that more people didn't come in. What, four cars came in? Perez and three others? Madness. Especially Lewis Hamilton being on the medium tyre as something we know. If you're on a harder tyre, especially compared to everybody else, on a wet track, you get them off as quickly as possible because they just don't work. Yeah, but surely the team saw this rain cloud coming in. I mean... I'm not even going to get into Lewis starting on the mediums because I can't even comprehend what oh. thought process was going on there. I mean, when you're in borderline what, conditions, you whack softs on there. The most tolerant you've got heat anyway. 
surely any team is thinking if rain is going to be coming you dive into the pits as soon as it and they had time to get round and come in it wasn't like it caught yeah. them on the start finish straight before the end of lap one it was coming down and I was so surprised not to see these drivers piling in I mean even on the commentary they were saying oh well we're worried because the pit lane might not be long enough it's a small pit here all the cars are going to pile they just in all and they went past fit. yeah and, and it, then they didn't it was like nearly the whole top 10 just just went by um uh, there's a few points that you've just touched on there that I don't really want to let go. So I'll, I'll just grab onto the Mercedes starting on on the medium mat. I have so like I'm so tuned for Mercedes getting these kinds of calls wrong lately that when the whole grid was on softs and they were on mediums, I instantly took that as not oh wow here's an opportunity for them. I was like, they they must have got something wrong. It really feels when they are misstepping, when they're the only kid that is not like the others, it's not a positive at the moment. Well, no, it's not. And this already opens up an interesting area because, of course, Lewis did have the opportunity coming in to come in from the formation lap and put enters on immediately if he'd wanted to. But then having been on the mediums, I honestly see it as explaining why a lot of drivers did what they did. And this whole race, in fact, was simply strategist guessing when the rain was going to show up, how hard it was going to be, and how long it was going to be last. Hamilton on mediums is we don't expect a lot of rain. It's going to go away quickly, and you're going to have an advantage because you can run longer to when we expect harder rain later on. But not bailing him early off of those tires is the thing I don't get. No, I completely agree. I I can't think of the logic behind it, if I'm honest. I mean, I can understand if they were in dry conditions because Pirelli, when they forecast tyre strategies, starting on a medium was the way to go if you didn't want to take the two-stopper route. However, I think it was it would have been silly to suggest that this race was ever not going to be anything more or less than a two. It was going to be two stops or more because there was going to be rain. And I don't know why they tried to stick with it when the the rain was there. It was raining. You're not going to get around a circuit with good traction on medium tyres. You can't get the heat in them. So he was skidding around and it completely screwed him over. This is where um, the people on the pit wall actually have too much information because they're too busy looking at the screen, looking at the radar, rather than actually sticking their head out out the pit wall and going, oh, where is the rain? Oh, actually, it's raining quite a lot. Let's actually do what the world is happening, not what the computer is saying. Um, and at this point, the computer was saying, don't worry, it's going to stop in a second. And obviously, the pictures from what we all saw was like, even if it does stop in three minutes, the track is going to be soaked. So get those tires off. Because the whole point, the whole key to, to being quick on mixed conditions is being on the right tires at the right time, even if that means you have to make a stop. I mean, look how much time Perez made up. Perez made up 15 seconds in three hours. Amazing, wasn't it? Bonkers. Uh, The delta to the slick tire uh, that, say, for example, Albon was on, wound up being about 20 seconds a lap very rapidly. And the people who did stop early, this is also interesting. We had Perez, Leclerc, Gasly, Joe, Tsunoda, Lawson, and Magnussen in lap one. And you'll notice that's only six teams worth of drivers. And then for lap two, you just wound up missing out Mercedes and and McLaren and and Williams. They all came in lap three, and lap three was far too late. At that point, you either had to stick it out 
or um or i mean i guess lap three means you admit you were wrong <laughs> yeah, about yeah, lap yeah, yeah, two yeah, yeah. but you're hoping to save it somehow yeah so there was three kind of distinct camps it feels like so there was the people that that got it stopped nice and early and that was split between people who went in on lap one and people who went lap two so perez mate got an advantage from lap one who else pitted lap one gasly uh gasly leclerc alonso uh, no, he was, he, he did, he did what Max did pretty much the Lap whole two. race. Right. Alonso did. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair and, enough. And that's yeah. partly because he had that great start and was actually faster than Max, I think in those conditions on mm. slick tires. So what we had is, so, so the people who, who pitted in the first lap or the second lap out of those people, if you take away Perez, who had a bit of a disaster towards the end, any, an increasing cacophony of disasters towards the end, that I'm sure Alex will explain in detail and also, if you take away Leclerc, who had the, the floor issue after the contact, you know, our top three non-Verstappen people was made up of people who had gotten that, that early jump mat. So those people were in the, the best position. And then there was another option, which was to the tough it out option that Mercedes wanted to do. And of those, of those people, only Albon really made it work. But the worst position, Antonia, was the people who went, no, we can tough it out. No, I'm, I can't tough it out. I need, I need, I need, I need my enters. They, 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 they basically lost out completely. Yeah, but that's the thing. Even with Albon, did toughing it out work? I mean, he ended up in a very bang average position, you know, in the mid pack, having not pitted, and it, you, it almost led to the, the thought of, well, if he'd have pitted, at least it would have done something. You know, reactivity obviously is never ideal, but at least it's responding in some way it, it was i thought it was a really interesting strategic move and i think it could have paid From. off more than it did maybe had the car got more pace but it ended up being something very brave that really yielded him nothing and probably just caused a lot of stress from him in the car going why is everyone around me pitting and i'm not uh, so let's be clear that was not a winning strategy until his teammates suffered a hydraulic failure on lap 15 and brought out the safety car then it was a very very winning strategy then it was a very very winning strategy (laughs) if you didn't pit for new tires and this means i have to talk about oscar piastri because he flat spotted his tires right before the safety car and was in the lap before that happened but he was on the same strategy as albin and he was ahead of him now Albon didn't finish off so great. And that's because both he and Alcon came in on lap 61 for the wet tires instead of lap 60. And that was another one where you lost nine or 10 seconds in that two thirds of a lap. And that ruined both of their races. But you were looking at seventh and eighth or sixth and seventh for Albon and Alcon without that mistake from their team or in the case of Ocon, maybe they had to send him around because he would have been too close in uh, on Gasly to get those tires. I, I didn't have time to figure out which one of those two it was. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying about Oscar, I completely agree. It's one of those really frustrating things where the timing of it all ended up not being great for him. But I do wish that Piastri had ended up in a better result and had a better race overall than he ended up having because he was doing really, really well and he was putting in such a fantastic performance. I mean, some of his sector times, he was really pulling ahead at one point, um, ahead of the rest of the pack, and he was doing so well. And I do wish it had yielded something a little bit more for him because I think he ended up being a bit lost in the race by the end, which I think is a real shame. 
Yeah. And this, again, weirdly brings us back to Mercedes. Why was Piastri where he was? Well, because they kept him out. But what did they do? They did pit Norris. But if we look at Mercedes, did they split their strategy that way? No. They stayed out too long with both drivers. Then they came in too late with both drivers. And not until we got to the safety car did Russell get the option of going on the hard tire and waiting for the much later later rain and maybe skipping a pit stop, which was the plan for them. But it's interesting. And I'm going to ask the question, do we think that maybe Mercedes' commitment to absolutely absolute fairness between their drivers caused them some strategic hassles today? Uh, no, I think it's Mercedes' middle-of-the-road decision-making that is their problem. They, they, they're they not as clinical as Red Bull are. Red, Red Bull are like, right, this is what we're doing, and we're doing it now. Merck are like, oh, let's wait and see. Let, let this play it might out. come let our this play way. And it, it's, and it was fine when they were in a dominant position in a dry race, but it cost them so many times in wet races. And now that they aren't the quickest car, it's costing them even more. They have costed, they've cost both their drivers the potential to fight for a podium today. And that is without okay. any shadow of a doubt in my mind. Okay, so look, we've got a, a few directions to go in here. So in, in a way, I don't want to be too harsh on the strategists. I, I agree with what you're saying, but there, there was an element of, is this going to be a very, very short, sharp shower or is this going to be prolonged rain? So... That's the kind of that's the excuse, if you like, for the teams that didn't pit. But even if it even if it rained heavily, it was never going to dry immediately. And and this is this is where you know that thing you were talking about, Alex, which is just being on the right tire at the right time. You can overthink it, and you can you can get yourself in a muddle, going, oh yeah, but if I just if I just stay out on the slicks, or if I if I just pit a little bit early, if I Jensen button it one lap early onto the intermediates, you know. But how often do we see? They come in early on the intermediates and they burn up the tyres and the rain doesn't come or they stay out on slicks and they lose time or crash. And I think there's it, it, it's kind of keep it simple, stupid, isn't it? it if it's raining, wet tyres. If it's dry, dry tyres. Worry about the pit stops later. It, it comes down to temperature at the end of the day and comes down to Matt's favourite subject, which is tyres. Um, when you have a hot, soft tyre running at optimum, if it's spitting, it's fine. You can take your normal lines and it's not a problem. The second it starts to get heavy and water starts to go on the scrippy, rubbered in bit of the track, it becomes treacherous and slippy. You then have to go off of that. And then all of a sudden, when it starts to get so wet that there are puddles, which formed instantly in this downpour, by the time they got to the chicane before the last two corners, it was very, very clear that that rain was incredibly heavy and the inters were going to be the choice. Even if it dried up in five laps, top five laps time, the time you would make up because of that deluge um, made it the made it the only option. But this is where Mercedes and Lando Norris just sat in the middle of the pack. I mean, uh, sat in the middle of the, the, the decision. Um, I mean, Lando Norris's radio message was incredibly reminiscent of um, Russia 21, when he was like, no, 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 we'll stay out, it's fine. And then it all went bad. We should have known from that, to be honest. Oh, yeah, it was Sochi, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Antonia? Yeah, I think I was disappointed today. It's unreasonable, but I kind of wish one of the teams had nailed it 
there was a real scope for a team to have taken a massive victory that, you know, that wasn't Red Bull, had a team somehow miraculously managed to predict slash nail every tyre change. Because I think everyone at one point massively fumbled a pit stop timing or something along those lines. But Except Red Bull. But that's the thing they did. I mean, Max was making very reactive calls, wasn't coming in at the right time. I mean, they both came in just before the red flag to pit. In theory, that should have put them miles behind. But because everyone else had made mistakes prior, it wasn't that damaging. So hang on. So I think what got missed was that Verstappen was trying to stay out when when it was raining. He was like, no, I can stay out. And his race engineer had to say, this would be a very, very good time to pit, young man. Get yourself in the pits. Okay. And he goes, yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So so Red Bull didn't misstep, I don't think. At, at most, they were kind of a, a lap behind. And, and looking for that team that smashed it on strategy, really, you could argue that Perez slash Red Bull nailed the strategy. He just didn't have the pace to stay ahead of Verstappen. And Matt's not shaking his head. He doesn't like that. But they did, didn't they? They got it absolutely right out of the top runners to go in and pit and get on the inters. Yeah, I mean, I think it's correct if you're leading the race and you have an advantage that you use a slightly different bar for judging when those pit stops were made. Uh, Max could have made stops sooner, but when you have someone behind you, it's it's a different thing, especially when you have a gap to the rest of the field. So I'm going to exempt Max because overall they did a good job with his strategy because he won. Therefore, the job done was good. Yeah, good tactic. But the team that got it absolutely right And the driver, the only driver they got it right for of the two on their team was Peter Gasly. And this is because I went through and figured out how you had to win at Zandvoort. Go, 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 go. Pit lap one for enters. Done. Pit lap nine. Hamilton pitted lap nine. Gasly was in lap 10 for the softs at the crossover point. That that was the correct one. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people were were yelling at their screens that Hamilton had got that wrong. But they, they gathered their thoughts and gone, no, no, no. Let's get this done. Let's get onto the the stickiest tire and go. That that was correct. So as much as we're gonna slate Mercedes in this episode, they got that call correct. Ignore the safety car for harder tires, which was uh, which was a temptation possibly, but they successfully ignored it. Then in the forties for fresh tires, everybody did that. And then this is crucial, and this is why they had such a differential between the two teammates at the end of the race. Pit lap sixty for enters again, and don't wait until lap 61 like Albon and Ocon did. And that's it. Congratulations. You won <laughs> Pierre Gasly the best strategy of that. the race. Oh, so that's what Gasly did? That is exactly right. what he did. Yep. He nailed every last one of those. Or I say he, his strategist, and the team nailed that for him. Okay. Well, I think that Matt's might... It. Go on, go on, Alex. Matt said the nail, nail on the head that one. Um, but the only thing that was wrong with the Perez strategy was the guy behind the wheel because he made so many mistakes today. Um, I mean, even before the mistakes, the rate that Max caught him after Perez had taken the lead was, for want of a better word, embarrassing. He should not have been that slow. It was a bit like um, the difference between Lewis and Nico whenever the rain came out. It was so, so bad. And it made it made Perez look a bit silly. And then he's gone off, hit the wall, come in, hit the wall into the into the pits. All right, stop. Then he's, he's already then, dead. He's already dead. And, stop and, it. Then, and then I've got one more. And then off the red flag, sped out of the pit lane. No, he didn't. He sped on the way no. in, into the pit lane. So when, Whatever. So he sped when he didn't need to. 
Well, well, no, it was all part... Not even in racing conditions. So it was all part of the locking up and hitting the wall. So he basically was speeding as he went over the line. Like, look, Ricardo's already going to Red Bull next season, probably. And, and Perez is probably going to... his gonna, hand works. Perez is probably going to get paid to, to sit on his bum like Raikkonen at Ferrari for a, for a season. It's all right. You're right. It was terrible. And he threw away second place spinning, uh, you know, into turn one and, and giving that up to Alonso too. It hurts. It hurts, Alex. Just, just, I'm to, sorry. just to round this argument off, he was so far behind all weekend, and he's been so far behind at various points in the in the calendar. Like he's more behind than any driver would be behind any top driver. Like he's more behind than Stroll behind Alonso. Doesn't that doesn't that say that there's something else going on? There's got to be something else. That can't be. You're not actually saying that Perez is not as good as Lance Stroll as. I have said before with my little mole that I have over yeah. football, um, he is so desperate to have the same equipment as Max to his detriment. He can't drive the car the way Max does. They have incredibly different driving styles. It's really obvious to see. He's much more of a Jensen Button, and Max <laughs> is, just for want of comparison, much more of a Lewis Hamilton in the way they drive the car. And you have to have differences. But my understanding is he has been very... Um, stubborn in the way that he wants the car set up and he just wants to make sure he has the same things as Max, which I understand, but it's costing him and he can't drive that car. Um, you know, I think you put a Lando Norris in there, a George Russell in there, a Lewis Hamilton in there, a Pierre Gasly in there, an Ocon in there, and it's a very, very different result. Perez has lost something. I don't know whether his... And, and, and the problem is, is whatever he has lost, it is being compounded every single weekend as he is pulverized by Max. Right. And listen... Wow, and, and you're listen, really not stopping. Max is, Max is a once-in-a-generation driver. You know, there is no doubt about that at all. He is superb on his way to be one of the greatest of all time. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But they brought Perez in to secure these results for second place, and he's not doing it. Every Everything you just said made me sad. So it's Antonia's turn to speak now, and you can just sit in the corner. No, you can be like Logan, Logan Sargent and sit on a grassy bank and think about what you've done for the next 57 laps. But in a way, and, and hear me out on this, because I, I think it sounds a bit stupid, so I'll All talk right. and see Let's where I it. end up. I think it looks good for Red Bull to ha- have a driver that can't compare to Max. Yes. I think it looks good for them to constantly be saying, well, well we could look, have someone yeah. else in, but they'd just be worse. How good for Red Bull does it look that even their own talent can't match their best talent? You know, they want people to know Max is the best in the game. He can't be beaten because it's it's their way psychologically of saying we chose a driver to go up against Max and even he can't measure up. So what chance what do you have? Yeah. Exactly. Love it. Love it. It looks good for them to have a huge golf because Perez is doing the job. You know, he's doing, he's not exceptional. He's not, you know, running away every weekend and challenging Max. He's doing enough to get P2 in the championship, the number one in the constructor championship. That's all they need. They don't need anyone better. Antonio didn't make it any better. I'm not going to risk it by going to Matt. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. So, look, I I like people being honest about their favourite drivers. So, me and Alex are are big Lewis Hamilton fans. Alex is a, a big George Russell fan. I think that that fanness is is growing as we look to the next generation. I followed uh, Perez his whole career, which means I'm I'm feeling a little bit sad this season and last season and this season. Before that, it's been a rough time, and so I I don't quite have 
space. I haven't settled on like who's the next driver in the next generation that's filling a, a spot in my fandom heart. And I think, you know, Sonoda's doing a lot of the right things. So I find myself drawn that way. Don't do that face, Antonio. He's a very nice driver. What's the what? face? To everyone except the people on the radio. Bless oh, him. yeah, no, he's mean to those people. He but, hasn't had too much of a rant in a while, yeah, to be fair. Because you all because shamed him. Definitely... What, what has he been doing to be anything other than in the midfield? <laughs> oh, wow. This, we, I, don't, I... we don't hear every single radio message from every single driver because it's like, it's like going into a library and picking out the, like, medium book. You I'm know? just getting kicking but, off the kicking here. <laughs> it, it's, but it's... they like... They like a Sonoda radio because if and they like a feisty radio. Yeah. If someone is shouting at, you, at their pit crew, they will play it. So if he's he, so if he hasn't been shouting at it, then that's why we haven't heard it. Because if he was shouting, we one hundred percent would have heard the radio. So I think well, he's probably been told to calm the f down and um, not shout and do as you're told, um, which is probably correct for someone of that age who's hot headed. And probably just needs to focus right. on driving. Come on. A feisty radio is fine as long as you finish ahead of your teammate who only drove one practice oh, session. This is not going well for me. In the entire weekend <laughs> and penalized for contact on top of it. And impeding in qualifying as well. Oh, yeah, that too. Sorry. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, my, don't get me wrong. Sonoda is a good driver. He came into F1 with a lot of promise and I don't doubt the guy has pace. He's just in a very, unfortunately, I say bang average car. They're bottom in the Constructors' Championships. They're the worst car on the grid. However, Lawson, my word, I was so happy to see him get swallowed up today because he wasn't chewed up and spat out at the back of the pack. He wasn't in loads of incidents. He wasn't spinning around constantly in the wet conditions, which would have been so difficult he's he did a decent job he got p13 he did <laughs> midfield he did bang exactly as you would have wanted him to do he did exactly what a rookie needs to do which is fill the gap and he did a great job i was so happy to see it yeah as for the next generation of talent Sonoda, no would not be my pick oh, however yeah. i think there are about five drivers on the grid right now who could be world champions if they were in the car for it. That's it. And I'm glad you brought us there. So first things first, Alex, you are now off the hook. Antonia has hit the boom arm of her mic about six or seven times. So now you you aren't, she hasn't headbutted it yet. So you still hold the headbutting your microphone record. <laughs> but the only reason I've I was... have done it in a very long time. Thank you. I've, try, I've messaged you seven times. I I'm was trying. <laughs> I was trying to get to Gasly if we're talking about this new generation who has the potential to be world champions in, uh, in, in the right car. But if there is space in my F1 fan heart, something has been, it's been building for, for Gasly. And I just, I've, I've loved the way that when he's on his day, he seems just very, very aggressive, pushy. And I know if we painted all the cars white, I probably couldn't tell which driver was which, but I feel like I could. I feel like I could put, pick out Gasly from a crowd, even if that's just spiritually and not like in reality. Uh, but today, strategy aside, I don't think every driver in the grid gets that podium today, Antonia. I, I think that that was a little bit of a, a special grabbing of an opportunity. No, I agree. And we saw it in Monza in 2020 that Gasly got the win there. Yeah, 2020. I mean, he is 
a driver with grit and he he is blimming good and you see it even off of off of the track he really really wants it and that hunger but it's calculated hunger it's not uncontrolled i'm young and you know he's he's good however i do think there are other drivers on the grid where in the same car they would beat him in terms of raw pace driving intelligence you know be just raw racing ability that you know the kind of thing that max has that just spark where they can see a gap and go for it tactfully without making a mistake want a hot take do it gasly is putting in perez at salba and perez at 40 in the performances and that's the type of driver i Oh my um, god, that is, that is rough. Dang. He's not on the he's not on the level. Alex, Alex, he just the drivers. Alex, he just finished on the podium in a dog alpine at Zambor. How many times did Perez do that? Yeah, loads of times. Damn it. Sorry, did not Ocon already do that this season? <laughs> I mean, you know, if we're gonna talk about the podium being special and his qualifying was better than Gasly's this weekend too. He's got so, to bring again, it to Ocon, doesn't he? Every time Trump We're not talking about Ocon. Yeah, quit it. I, I'm, not, I'm just <laughs> saying that if, if that's if the bar is I finished third in an Alpine this season, then he's not done anything more than his teammate. I think I'm that's not even against Ocon at this point. No, I'm beginning to be. <laughs> I like Ocon. I like, I, I've always liked Ocon. I think Ocon's. I, I think Ocon's I like really him. good. You don't get on the Mercedes. I don't exactly. think you get on that's the Mercedes program without with, having talent. With, without correct, and and he was a Toto pick. As well, it's just they just didn't have the drive for him at the time. To racked Max, just to balance Miss Apex energy, we have to be slightly Ocon negative. Uh, That is fine because actually, the person I would put forward in this race would be Albon. 110 percent. how can you not love him at this point that's what i would ask okay i know all right then i'll I'll have a go at being the big ruiner now alex gone you're so good at it you just do it now Uh, I, i love Albon. I, I've always loved Albon, and he got done dirty by Red Bull without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. It was his rookie season. He was just getting to grips and getting the hang of that Alpha Tauri car. They then threw him into the Red Bull, into the Lions, into the Lions den, and then crapped on him from a really high height the entire way through the season, the second season until they until they dropped him. They didn't give him a chance to blossom, and now he's got this chance to blossom. He's doing what George Russell was doing in that Williams. And is putting in spectacular performances, and he is—is is he as good as Russell and Norris? No. Is he just on their heels? I think so. He would also be in my pick, and I'm really glad you actually mentioned that with Red Bull because I think whilst the heads will roll tactic is something you can afford to do in Formula One because nothing is deserved, you are always there fighting every single weekend. I think they were way too hasty with Albon. I think they saw potential and exploited it before it was ripe. You know, they saw a massive, like what, carrot growing in the garden and ripped it out before it had the chance to fully grow. And Albon is a really matured into a fantastic driver. Now he's got the experience and the maturity. He's really an, an intelligent driver, like I said. However, this being said, I don't think I can ever see him going into now one of these bigger team seats simply because I don't think there's the time for him anymore. But at Red Bull, and I think this is something I noticed this weekend with um, Liam Lawson coming in, Red Bull and AlphaTauri are undeniably one big team now. It's not Red Bull and a separate AlphaTauri. It's not. They are one big team. 100%. All controlled by Christian Horner. And personally, I don't think that that works well 
in a, in a Formula Works One well for them. format. I, it, I, I don't think it's fair, to be honest, to have all of these drivers at your disposal for one specific team's benefit. But I don't know. I just think for me, that was something that really stuck out this weekend, especially with Lawson. I went, okay, they've changed the name from Toro Rosso, which literally means Red Bull, to Alpha Tauri to try and separate themselves. And yet here Christian Horner is referring to a situation happening in another team as if it's happening right it underneath It was, yeah. It, there, there was no distinction between those two. That was a team principal talking about one of his four driver spots in one of his two teams. And you're absolutely right. It's not the case of a, a customer team who's you know coming in and, and taking an engine like Alfa Romeo and uh, Sauber where there is some influence. It's, it's well, well beyond that. This time last year, when people were making... Horrible accusations about Alpha Tauri helping out uh, Max Verstappen with the the double failed attempts to create a safety car and then eventually giving a safety car. Um, he said they're an entirely separate team. It would be ridiculous to say that one helped the other. Now he is freely talking uh, about them as one entity. So yes, Red Bull has has four cars. There's two engineering teams, but Red Bull has four cars. Um, right. I wanted to just you know make sure that we covered our bases with the drivers that actually did well. And yes, you haven't entirely ruined it for me, Alex. Gasly had an absolute blinder today. And I'll stick to my guns. Absolutely. Not every, Absolutely. Not in, everyone. In changing conditions, in a ho- in changing conditions, in a horrible, in a horrible, horrible race day, he did an amazing job. <laughs> okay. And this one, even though I'm an Alonso fan, it still annoyed me that he finished second. So I'm going to leave you, lead you, leave you, Matt. To, to lead the conversation on why Fernando Alonso was super brilliant as well today. Well, I'd like to start with the start. I mean, I hate to go all the way back there after all this time, but of all the drivers off the grid into those mixed conditions on slick tires, it's hard to argue with the fact that Fernando was uh, pretty impressive looking, right, Jeansy? Yeah. Yeah, Alonso. I'm make you Alonso, do. It's just like making you eat your vegetables, isn't it? <laughs> Alonso, Alonso, Alonso. Listen, regardless of my feelings towards how I feel about Alonso's personality, I've never shied away from how good he is in a race car, and he showed that off the line. Always been a staple of his brilliance, um, and he basically mimicked Max, but in a slower car. Is all like is, is is the biggest praise I can give Fernando Alonso today. No mistakes, no errors. They copied exactly what Max was doing, and he just made it work. Um, and even when he got um, bogged down in the pits, and I had a glimmer of hope that I could say nasty things about him, he he just took it all back. So he was great today, and yeah, it hurts saying it hurts saying that more than how great Max was today. But that's what separated, I think, the podium today from the rest of the grid. There was that kind of control over the race in changing conditions in a really difficult, really difficult race where the traction is all over the place. You're constantly having to switch strategies. You have to be adaptable and responsive. These kind of mature, controlled, responsive drives. That's what got these three on the podium today. That's what separated Gasly from his peers in other cars. It was his ability to stay calm, to hold off Perez within the and stay close to him in that five second gap to make sure he got on the podium. It's 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 these little things like that that really do separate the good drivers from the really good drivers. See, I love the intricacies of this because because when I go back, when I went back and looked at this, 
the first thing I thought to myself when it, you know, I finally spent an hour and a half figuring out what actually happened in the race. The first thing I thought was, oh, I think there were about three chances for Alonzo to legitimately be ahead of Max in this race. And Aston, I'm not going to say they threw away a win because I'm not sure that would have happened. But I think the opportunity for Alonzo to have been first out of the pits after the red flag might have, in theory, existed. And it goes back to that very first pit stop where they followed Max around, admittedly probably doing the opposite of Perez, which is a standard Formula One tactic. But just imagine oh my if God. he'd come in, if he'd come in behind Perez, Max would have been behind him. And guess what Aston was not going to do? undercut Max so he could be ahead of Alonso. Yeah, I don't know. Going back to what you're saying about Alonso potentially taking the win, I think this is, in a way, after the red flag, why I felt a little bit robbed that we didn't have a standing start. Because I do think if Alonso had had a good start off of the line of a standing start, I mean, he was following Max quite quickly after the red flag, the rolling start. He, for a long time, he was within two seconds actually sticking with him before he then decided to drop off a little bit and I do think that that was a conscious thing to stop pushing on him as much to save his tires actually make it the what seven laps until the end of the race and I do think I wish we could have had a standing start because I think we could have had so many good battles going on there that we didn't end up having and I'm not quite sure why we had a rolling start because in my opinion the conditions were safe for it uh, I've got a theory it, no hang on I've got look go on are, you go well, that didn't last very long, me being in charge, did it? I come back. So, we, when there was first an introduction of standing starts after a red flag, we all went rubble, 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 rubble. Because we, this was just after right, we'd sort of clocked on that the safety cars were being much more trigger happy. So they go, oh, safety car, here's a chance to uh, uh, bunch up the pack. And if there was a red flag, they would go, oh, we'll do a standing start now. And at the time, it was like, that's so stupid. That is just manipulating you know, extra excitement that wasn't earned. It should be a rolling start like normal. And then we all saw the standing starts after the red flags and they were super duper fun and we got used to them. And so now it was a disappointment when you suddenly say, right, we're going to do a rolling start. There was, there was nothing stopping that being a standing start. I wonder if race control were thinking about getting safely out of the, the, the hotbed of Max Verstappen fans. And if you want to be a conspiracy theorist, you go, oh, you know, that makes... The, the the risk of the home win you know much much smaller if we then go and do a rolling start i think we should give them the benefit of the doubt and say it was for safety but i did go ah sus and boring and rubbish boo i definitely screamed boo at the screen yeah, and boo. tweeted boo yeah but i think i mean i still think it was the wrong decision i don't think it was wet enough to be an issue but they probably had flashbacks to um australia and um I oh think, the chaos I probably probably up yeah. had a flashback to australia yeah. no so, can, can we please a rolling start please, wait, 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 please. Yeah. so so this is where like oh, i'm a massive hypocrite as a fan it's the balance between being a fan and then playing armchair fia armchair race control what would i do because in australia i was fully like oh that was so stupid it was a fast the whole you know you threw the red flag out and then you do your safe and look you've got your just desserts you deserved all that chaos and then today i'm going boo that should have been a standing start so yeah fully admit the hypocrisy on that one my only counterpoint to this argument would have been lap one lap one where i fully expected multiple people to drive off the circuit and or crash slick tires raining 
it didn't happen. And so maybe, maybe like if I'm going to be super critical, I, I would raise my hand and say, well, look, you had lap one as evidence. The drivers could handle this. And it's more of a fair sporting from a Formula One point of view way to do things. So it wouldn't have been entirely remiss, I think. I think a standing start was in the realm of possibility. Yeah. But but I also understand after Australia why they wouldn't want to subject themselves to it again. And we, the fans, maybe bear some blame because we sure <laughs> did yell at them a lot. We, we did, we? didn't we? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm willing to let go of the fact we had a rolling start, or I would be, were it not for the fact that they made everyone start on the inter tires. That I felt was too much for me because the Red Bulls were on wets. And I thought, okay, well, they might not change them. So I thought they might leave them on in the off chance that there were more rain because they were saying there was going to be a little bit of pitter patter, you know, enough to warrant perhaps leaving the wets on, which I thought would then lead to a really interesting last minute charge into the pits for the Red Bulls to change onto the Inters. And again, give us something interesting, you know, give us a bit more strategy in the last few laps of the race. So I thought with the rolling start and the fact that everyone was on the same tyres, I do understand that that's from a safety perspective, but it wasn't like anyone was on slicks. It wasn't like anyone was going to go sliding off, you know, too much grip never killed anyone. But I don't know. I think I think I would have I would have liked to see a little bit more coming into play after the red flag. Well, this is interesting. I think what they wanted to do was uh, get rid of the possibility that a team that teams would put both their drivers on the wets and then try and pit them at the same time to avoid the kind of chaos that we saw in Spa. I think that was sitting firmly in their head. So they picked the tire that they knew everybody would be happy enough on. And yeah, it would have been fun if someone could have put on some softs. It would have been fun to see someone on the wrong tire having to come in. But there are also only effectively five laps of racing left. So so they knew everyone would, the, the inters would work for five laps. And so that's what they put everyone on. So it was about the racing on track. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So um, a disgruntled Mercedes fan, and I'm so sorry, I cannot remember the lady's name that tweeted it, said, I'm so glad that they've mandated that they have to start on intermediates because I was scared they were going to put Hamilton out out on the hards and that is just showing <laughs> that is showing the current state of the the Hamilton Mercedes fan base at the moment oh. so um, I think we did cover uh, most of Mercedes but I think I had a, I had a couple of um, of little points to that I had outstanding about that I think one was at Russell's race so so we covered sort of Hamilton's race he he in fact here we go he qualified badly he had a poor Saturday I know he was impeded on three separate occasions but I was really unpopular on Twitter because, you know, I'm meant to be like, you know, a Hamilton fanboy. And I just I just said he, he, he looked off on the Inters all weekend. And on, on the Friday practices, he was, he was slower than Russell on Inters. At no point during qualifying did he look like he was comfortable with the Inters or ahead of Russell on the Inters. He never looked in danger of, of setting a lap at all. So whether he was impeded or not, they were constantly circling. Uh, during those qualifying sessions, and at every point, he was he was behind. He was just off the pace on Saturday. Um, and, and as fans, when when your driver has a bad session or is struggling in some element, it's not useful to just deny that. Yeah, it was a hard one for Lewis this weekend. I think he was very clearly not comfortable with the car. I know he came on the radio a couple of times saying it's not responding, and you really. I cannot stress this enough at Zandvoort, you need a responsive car because if you're, go- you're going into these long sweeping turns and then all of a sudden you've got that really nasty chicane at the end of the lap, it's very easy to go off there and really struggle, at this, especially at that part. But he just really didn't seem to have it. And normally Lewis in the wet is excellent. That is when he comes into play. He gives a masterclass in difficult conditions. And that's, yeah, that's what why his it was experience odd. affords yeah. him. You know, that's that's why he's one of the greats, because he's been in the sport long enough where he can put on these fantastic shows going, I know how to drive a car in the wet. I know how to do this. Let me show you. But I mean, George, I felt so disappointed for in the race because he qualified well. And then and then what? He was P18 after the first round of mishaps occurred. And then he was fighting in a very futile manner. I mean, even after the red flag, when he was having a really nice battle, finally with the McLaren and then you got that puncture you know I think Mercedes this weekend generally just seemed really off they didn't quite feel comfortable with either the track the car the conditions just didn't seem to work so Mercedes definitely owed George Russell an ice cream and not at home ice cream not like a one of those freezer pop things in the plastic tube like a I'm talking like a store-bought or ice cream van ice cream We'll get to Russell, but uh, Jeansy, let's um, linger on Hamilton because we're both Hamilton fans. It didn't look good on Saturday, and I really—I know the impeding was bad, but there was there was performance left on the table. He didn't have to start thirteenth. There's a pattern to Lewis when he's having a bad qualifying, and it's really always evident from the very first from the very first session. And I just knew he was in yeah. trouble yes. from the very first yeah. session. I have was, tweet evidence like, that I agree. Was, <laughs> It, it, it was like it was like I know this pattern. This is Lewis is struggling with something. Something isn't right. 
and he's going to have a he's going to have a problem here. And I was right, you know. I was like, when you put that qualifying lap in in Q two, and I'm like, that's not mm. fast enough. No. And he's been out there a while, and then all of a sudden he was one point two seconds off yeah. in the first sector on his final lap and lap. I'm like, oh well, look, it's happened. <laughs> color me, color me surprised. It just wasn't working for him. And as Antonio correctly says, he normally shows the way yeah. in these conditions, but something wasn't right with him and it didn't happen today. Um, and yeah, people can blame traffic. People I've seen, I've seen people trying to blame Mercedes strategy out for it, but it, he just didn't have the pace. Even if they I did tell so. him to yeah. go a lap early, he didn't have the pace so, on Sunday, on Saturday. But my God, did he have the pace today? Though? So, well, this Shame is it. In, in FP1 uh, or FP2, one of those where it was like for like runs with Russell, he was 1.9 off of Verstappen and Russell was, you know, only like 0.6 or something like that. And and he seemed surprised and he's like, where where am I losing the pace? And his race engineer's like, um, well, like basically it's just t- a little bit in turn nine, nothing to worry about. And, and also turn 10, a big chunk in 13 and 14. You know what I mean? He just kept listing like all the corners. And Hamilton didn't seem to to know why. Uh, I, I wonder if like Hamilton tends to run slightly lower downforce than than Russell, so maybe that was affecting it in the intermediate conditions. Antonia, yeah, I mean this is a circuit where you want you do want relatively high downforce, but it's a it's a tricky circuit. I mean, obviously it's one he's less experienced on anyway, which might throw him off because obviously compared to the other drivers, he's got years and years on them at other circuits, but. That's not really an excuse for someone with his experience. Yes, I do think downforce perhaps came into it. But I mean, it's not the fastest of laps. Um, DRS is really huge. It's 17 odd kilometers an hour. But you're only averaging about 134 miles per hour anyway. So it's it's not a super fast one where you need to have lightning speed reactions. And then, you know, you're doing tight turns. It's long sweeping corners where obviously this is so easy for me to say because yeah. I'm not a driver, but it's yeah. not like on the corners you've got the smallest of margins it's not Jeddah you're not going around and you're playing it safe so you're missing about a tenth at each corner I'm I just I don't know I just think it was a case yeah. of him not clicking with the circuit and and to be to put this into perspective the last time I saw you in a motor vehicle on a long sweeping corner you were just laid out unconscious so I'm not sure like whether that is relevant but I I'll, I'll post video evidence yeah, thanks. thanks Sorry for that. about that. Uh, well, I am also terrible at go-karts. <laughs> I think I've killed Alex. Uh, so, look, in the race, though, he, he was right, Matt. Alex is right. In the race, Hamilton just did seem to come to life. And, and I think as the conditions dried out, we saw where his, where his pace was. So the race pace was strong. The Mercedes pace was actually really, really strong. And um, I guess that gives them hope going forward that despite nearly everything going wrong today uh, this weekend from qualifying through to that first call to to not pit and they put themselves in a terrible position actually the pace they had and his performance through the pack and overtaking in the dry at a hard track like this to get up to was it p6 in the end that's i mean it's damning with faint praise but p6 felt like a good story for the weekend well, this is a weird track. Qualifying matters a bit more than usual here than on most other tracks, because essentially you can't pass at all in Sector 2. And for Lewis, it was a story of, from FP1, he liked the car. 
The changes they made when they went to FP2, he didn't like. The changes they made when they went to FP3, he liked even less. And by the time he got to qualifying, it's worth understanding how much, how different the weather was to what they'd had to that first free practice. And I think this is really what, this is the difference between him and Russell. Russell was able to get the tires working better than Lewis, especially because Lewis had the impeding incidents to deal with, which cost him tire temperature. And so Lewis finds himself starting in a terrible position. But ultimately, the car itself proved to be, I think, uh, the second fastest car overall, at least at the end of the race and in Lewis's hands. So again, we have this dichotomy where you can have a car that does well in the race because you can manage the tires, but the price you pay for that is in qualifying. It's Mm. harder to get a good time because it's hard to get them into the window at the start of the lap where you need that temperature to be that precise. Russell isn't as good at managing degradation, but the flip side of that is he's going to heat those tires up faster because of how he drives the car. This is why we see Lewis generally having better races than George at this point in the season, in my extremely humble opinion. If you do say so yourself. Yes. I mean, George at the end of the race, unfortunately, wasn't quite the tire wizard, was he? I mean, they certainly weren't very hot, holy perhaps, yes. But um, no, towards the end of the race, Lewis did seem to do pretty well. And he really got to grips and he was putting in a really interesting battle with Norris. We didn't quite catch it at the end of the race, but it was almost a photo finish with him and Lando, I believe, right at the end of the lap. It was it was really, really close, something like two 27,000 something it was it was really good battle to anyway towards the end of the race and I do think on race pace you know they call George Mr Saturday yes but Lewis experience will show at some point and he can control a race very very well you know he's Lewis but um yeah I I I still I still feel myself a little bit underwhelmed I think there's there was more that Mercedes could have given like you said they did have a good car but it just wasn't as responsive as you would hope it would be Okay, so earlier in the show, I got assassinated for the drivers I support. Antonia stuck the knife in, a full bayonet twist over Sonoda. <laughs> Van Jean just, like I was, I'm already the, on the floor as a Perez fan, but he just like fully kept kicking me as if I was Usec below the belt, right? There we go. So now it's my turn, okay? George Russell, Alex, was, was mugged, absolutely was, was, was mugged by the strategy, totally unlucky. A great qualifying performance. What I'll say is there was a weird demeanor around the circumstances by 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 which he was he was robbed, which is a there's a, a three-pronged assault. After Saturday and before the race today, he looked so chipper. He really looked like he had it, he had it in the bag, the race was finished, he he already had his his podium medal, he was already smelling the champagne doused hair and he was already mentally in the nightclub it, it seemed like and the the third of that prong is the battle with with Norris and perhaps not giving him enough room I do think that was Norris's fault but maybe driving a little bit on tilt at the end of the day the one that got me though was the radio message when he'd ended up down in in P17 where he came on the radio and he says where's my podium you told me I was an ent- entitled to an podium a podium where's my podium that I'm entitled to and it it was a little bit revealing. It was like I I was told I would get a podium and now I don't have a podium. And it was very blamey and it wasn't very kind of 
teamy and you go, oh, I, I'm not sure he'll look back on that and go, that's not what I wanted to say. I mean, just for legal reasons, that is not a direct quote. Is it not? Is it not exactly what he said? It's not a direct quote. He basically said, we were forecast for podium today. (laughs) Oh, did I misspeak? What the F F happened? And you can pick on this this comment all you you want, but tell me he wasn't absolutely correct in saying, yeah, I thought I probably would be fighting with, with Lando for most of the race and probably had a better car than Lando, I, so I'd probably beat Lando and then be behind. Probably thought he'd be second at that point because we hadn't had the Perez and the Alonso brilliance. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with Russell. You know, he absolutely nailed it in qualifying yesterday. He um, did everything right. At the yes, you're right. The race. Yeah, you're right. And got absolutely screwed by his team, pitting him not one, but two laps too late. Definitely one. put him at the back of the grid, and he fought his way back to seventh. One, definitely so, one of his best and, races of the I weekend. Mean, Alex, all I'll say to you I is mean, look, at, look at me in the eye. Look at me in the eye, Alex. Right? Look at me in the eye. There we go. Okay. You don't score until you score. That's all I'm saying. And I just, he just acted like he'd scored. All right, Stifler. Yes, you got it. You gave it away. You're not. Meant of course, to, I get it. You're not I'm me- the yeah. only person that gets your movie reference. But you're not you meant to highlight way. it. I I do the movie reference, and then three. No, people... but I could say Stifler. I mean, I could say Stifler, and people might not. There's Antonio. You're quite young. Do you know? What, do you know who Stifler is? Not at all. Okay, good. See, it's fine. It works, it's Alex. Fine. It was fine, and then so, you had to make us feel old. Why, mate? Honestly, I'm trying to lose weight at the moment. I'm feeling old, <laughs> trying to run every single blooming day. It's killing me. Um, but no, the, the 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 beauty with with Russell today was he had his winch, which he was entitled to. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, um, he, which he was absolutely entitled to, and then got his head down and raced. He didn't moan about going on the hard tire, which I did. That was a shock. I shouted at the I yeah. shouted at the screen when he went on the hard tires, but he made it work, and then. He was doing great guns at the restart and then got tapped by Norris and punctured and ruined his day. If I was if I was George, I'd be kicking stuff in the Mercedes clubhouse today um, and and making a lot of noise and being very, very upset because he should have had a podium and he's not on the podium through absolutely zero fault of his own. End of rent. Zero fault of his own. I go, don't know. Ding, ding. I- here we go and matt's on that side as well sweet okay alex this is the listening phase for you okay here we go if i'm completely honest i understand where the whinge came from every driver at some titles come on the radio have a little bit of a complaint and go oh guys what happened like come on we we were meant to do really well today and now i'm really not doing well in my opinion though it was it was a case of okay right now time to get your get your head down and get on with it you can't blame strategy for everything and unfortunately there didn't seem to be a lot of fight in russell in this race today until like i said the end the the end after the red flag where he was giving a little bit until the puncture as for the context within you know across the rest of the season i do think george has, has proven himself to be a fantastic driver you know no doubt and he's doing well in the mercedes but i haven't been wowed by his performances in the way that i was expecting to be once he got plonked in that mercedes to be honest i think over the course of the season he's done some good performances proven himself to be quite reliable but at the end of the day going back to his radio message you can't come on the radio and blame everything on strategy 
and unfortunately oh, he just wasn't Alex. there today. <laughs> no, Alex, no, you have to wait, Matt first, Matt first. Well, <laughs> hard tire, split strategy, Mercedes, that's the easy one. Just sometimes you're the person who gets the other side of the split strategy. And they might have even sold it to him because we certainly uh, heard Mike Caulfield talking about how you could tell the driver, oh, well, one out of 10 million times, this strategy wins you the race. And, and, they, and like, yeah, yeah, that's the one I want. They just hear, oh, that'll work, will it? <laughs> exactly. So it could have been that. I don't know. Or if they just said, well, this is where they are on track. So Russell gets the strategy. It doesn't matter. They did mess him about a bit because they should have split the strategy with Mercedes. But had they done that, likely it was Hamilton on the medium tire that would have gotten the come in now call, and Russell would have been the uh, stick it out call, which also would have cost him. But I think everyone's gone to a lot of trouble here as far as Russell's concerned, because when I look at our whose fault is it board, I see Sunoda and Russell, and I see Norris and Russell, and I see Leclerc and Norris, and the two people who feature twice there are Norris and Russell. So, I mean, how is that not in some way, shape, or form? Russell's problem for being so, what, what do you call it, argy-bargy with his driving. Oh, Alex. Okay, if, unleash. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> I don't know where you're coming from, because it's, you know, the he can absolutely blame the strategy. Him, Lewis, to be fair, anyone who was left out to hang in those first couple of, couple of stages, unless they said, no, I want to stay out, which I think only Lando did, um, and, and Verstappen, Verstappen did as well, but he and Verstappen did him. as well. But he, yeah, um, Verstappen's in a different stratosphere at the moment when it comes to this kind of stuff, and it's not even worth talking about. Um, and George had his head down today, and as in, as in, got his head down and got on with the job. He dealt with it after there was a win. He had his wins. He was allowed to have that, as far as I'm concerned. Not these two boring people. Um, and uh, then just got on with it. They gave him the hard tire, which, as I said, would should have been. Um, a concern to a lot of people. And then as everyone started to pit from their soft tires, he came alive on the hards. He overtook a bunch of people and he just kept moving forward. And before we knew it, he was up inside the top 10, which I wasn't expecting to ever see him in that race. That shows a real class and just a determination of making a strategy work. And he really, really did. Okay. When you're coming through the field at that rate of pace, you're going to get close to people. Um, and, you know, he had a little bit of contact a couple of times, but I still don't think that that tarnished what was actually a really great day, despite the first 20 laps of the race. But just a short point, isn't it a driver's job to make the strategy work? Are we not? No, that's the name of the, that's the, the one who has the strategist. Well, no, but what, that's what, their job. If he's put out in a position on the grid, what's he meant to do? Go, oh, I don't like it here. <laughs> Go away, everyone. You know, I think I what Russell's drive on the hard tire shows is like the pit delta at Zandvoort was about 26 seconds. So if you keep on driving and everybody else stops to put on different tires, then you wind up ahead of them. Yeah. But he certainly wasn't staying there when the fresher tired people caught up to him. That right. would have been extremely impressive. But it also shows that Mercedes strategy wasn't that far off base. Another five minutes, that rain shows up. And then he wins because he's done one less pit stop. So it wasn't a terrible strategy. No. The initial but, wow. not stopping him, yes, point taken. But the no, secondary no. strategy wasn't terrible. It just didn't win. Not not terrible, but I do feel like I didn't it, say was, it was bad. I, I feel like it was a roll of the dice. Like it was a gambling one. A hundred, because they didn't know what was gonna happen. 
I, I said, I, by the way, with the hard tire, I will, I will let you talk into a second, Antonio. Um, the, the, what I said about the hard tire was I thought it was bad at first. That's then that I'm not. I think it was. I think it was bad. And I and and I think it worked out for him because they played the long game and worked on his pace. The problem was was for the first seven eight laps of that stint, he didn't have any pace. It was a second and a half a lap off off Lewis, and I was like, oh my god, this is horrific. And then all of a sudden, I was watching it. And listen, I'm a fan, so I'm watching his times, (laughs) and I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching, and he's getting quicker and quicker and quicker. And all of a sudden, he was there. Um, And if he'd made the pits, if the rain hadn't come, he'd have made a pit stop late. He'd have been on fresh, soft tires compared to everyone's much older soft tires and would have been able to make moves because you could overtake today, which was great. I mean, last couple of seasons, I don't remember this race being much of an overtaking circuit. And That's we true. had great racing today. So, Alex, are you done silencing Antonia now? May she may she speak? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, to, be, to be honest, I'm kind of agreeing with both yourself and Trumpets here. It, they could have just left him out. But as we saw with Williams, that didn't necessarily do a lot of good. And Williams, not being funny, they did the best that they yes. could across the weekend to maximise their chances. I mean, their performance in qualifying yesterday was Brilliant. extraordinary. It was they, they did so well. And until Sargent crashed out quite early on in the race, they were doing really well. OK, let's do it. It's, it's Williams time. I, they deserve a bumper, Matt. This is a whole thing, Matt. Let's talk about Williams because I, I, I'm a, a Williams fan from the olden days, from the before time, from the long, long ago, from active suspension. No, they Mansell. had the dancing car. The dancing car. Coulthard, Hill, Senna. I'm a massive Williams fan. However, that is probably why I'm a little bit sensitive to any Williams hype. Because as soon as people go, oh, they did super good in FP1 briefly. I'm like, no. I've been hurt for too long to buy into Friday hype. You stop it. You don't toy with my heart, mister. So, you know, there has been such a a, a feeling of like well-wishing for, for Williams, almost like all of F1 would, no one would begrudge Williams suddenly rising to the top. And that has led to a lot of overzealous praise of Friday performances when they tend to kind of run a little bit of a, a lower wing, uh, sorry, a little bit of a, you know, uh, closer to their Lighter ultimate pace. Tank. Yeah, closer to their ultimate pace. They're not trying to hide anything and and they're more skewed towards a hot lap. So the headline times look a little better relative to other people. So people get carried away when they have a, a good Friday. But this weekend, whilst I still believe that like the ultimate pace puts them as still the seventh best race car, which is pretty good. They're ahead of it's better the... than they've been for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're ahead of Sauber and um and what's it the the Ferrari customers Alpha Tauri and they're ahead of Alpha Tauri. So they're ahead of Sauber Haas Alpha Tauri. So the seventh probably. Whereas look at what the seventh best team did, which was basically hold court for all of Saturday and made the whole of the F1 world stand up and talk about Williams. Like their Saturday mount was phenomenal. It was. And this isn't really a surprise. Um, The thing that Williams has had going for it this entire season is that they have a very predictable and well-balanced platform. And like Red Bull, they are good with the, the rear of the car at high speed. They don't have as much downforce, but the overall balance through the corner is quite predictable, making it a drivable car. The reason you see them doing well on Friday 
And I know like the idea of glory runs is an absolute thing for the sponsors. But the reality of Williams is because they don't have the same level of downforce as, say, a Red Bull, they can't manage their tires as well. So their key to any good weekend is qualify as far up as possible and then lose as few places as possible during the race. So naturally, they put the emphasis on how fast can we go over a single lap. That leads to these headliner times on Fridays that makes it look like they're just running for glory. But I believe there's a well-thought-out strategy behind it. And this weekend at this track, with these track temperatures and with the upgrades they brought, it was the perfect mix for them. In fact, until they didn't pit lap 60, I would have put Albin on absolutely for a P6 overall. And that was the one thing that they missed. They got lucky in an ironic fashion that Sargent had the hydraulic failure that brought out the first safety car and negated all the time that Albin lost staying on those soft tires. But to make up for it, he then didn't pit at all until everybody made their second pit stop. He made those softs last. And that's not something we are used to seeing Williams do at all. And it gives me a real optimism about them going forward kind of this season. I think Mons will be good for them, but especially into next season, I'm very curious to see what they're bringing to the table. I completely agree. I think next season we are really going to see a big change at Williams. And I have to say, I'm loving what James Valls has done for the team. I think he's come in with a brilliant plan, executed it fantastically, kind of in the way that we were all hoping would happen over at Ferrari. And it hasn't since Benotto left, but they've, I mean, they've they've said they're kind of pausing their development plan for this season. They're not going to push it too much. They're going to focus now on 2024. So if they're putting in these kind of performances now with no major upgrades, mm. nothing too crazy, I'm so excited to see what they do going into next season. And I think with the drivers they've got, there's huge scope for improvement there. I do think Sargent has a little bit of a way to go. There are just small things like today do oh, show his inexperience. Okay. But to be forgiving to oh, him, hang on. he's... No, good. I'm absolutely. Wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. Let, yeah. You got to let her finish. You got to let her finish. Let her cook. <laughs> That's what I could say. <laughs> okay, all right. But you know, I th- I do think Sergeant, like I said, he's got a few little things that just need to be teased out through experience. And don't get me wrong, it's getting towards the end of the season. I would like to see a few less mistakes from him, but. With how it's going at Williams, I'm so excited for 2024. I do genuinely, genuinely think, given the way that they're going now, they could be pushing for podiums next year. Easily. Oh, right. What did you take offence at? I took offence at today because Sargent's crash today was entirely a car failure, not a driver error. Yesterday, I will admit, You have an absolute point yesterday, even though he made Q3 for the first time, and that's a step forward. He could have finished fifth or sixth, maybe, if he'd not put it in the wall. Sure. Well, there we go. There's a lot of Sargent putting it in the wall. That's mainly where we hear about Logan Sargent. Can I just read a tweet from Chris Medland? James Vowles confirms Logan Sargent lost hydraulic pressure before his crash, meaning no power steering, and he just sailed wide. Says it's down to the team to rally around him and pick him up for Monza as it wasn't his error. So, on on face value... Is this where I have to now backtrack? No, no. I, well, <laughs> hang on. Yes. Hang on. on. On face value, we take James Vowles at his word, and you go, okay, there was a, a hydraulic error. And, and I think if we'd have said... If that had happened to 
signed, if that had happened to Russell, if that had happened to uh, Bottas, I think there wouldn't be a hint of question. However, Logan Sargent puts it in the wall an awful lot. I don't think it's unreasonable to go, well, there's a chance that was just James Vowles being a bit of good top cover. But in any case, Logan Sargent is still putting it in the wall far, far, far too often at this stage. Right. There's a queue. There's a queue here. <laughs> Van Jean, Van Jean, and then Antonia. If you have a hydraulic failure and your steering goes heavy or whatever, or whatever it was, it or light. Off, you know that or that's heavy, the problem. Or heavy, heavy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you run straight back to the garage. Don't tell them that. Yeah, my steering could, you, wouldn't turn. You, you, it wouldn't turn. You don't sit sulking at the side of the track <laughs> for the entire race. Oof. You do that when you've made a boo-boo. Or you're Fernando Alonso and you're just peed off at the whole situation. But he's not Fernando Alonso and doesn't have that kind okay. of clout. He... He did a he did a Kimi Raikkonen in Monaco. Didn't want to go back to the garage and went to his boat. But his boat was a awning in the rain, watching the other cars go round, going, "Oh crap, I've ruined this for myself." <laughs> Ranking. I completely agree. It could have happened to Verstappen. It could have happened to Perez or Lewis, but it didn't. That's that's the bottom line. It, it didn't. It happened to Sargent. And again, I I'm not going to be hard on him because I do think he has the potential to be a really really fantastic driver for Williams. And I I really like the guy. I think he's I think he's great. But as Van Jean said, you don't then sit on a little deck chair by the race or you know sat sat on the grass going oh no I don't want and to go I home. Think, I'm going to get told off. I can't remember what circuit it was at. Oh, Imola perhaps. Charles Leclerc made a mistake and it was in my opinion it was a very clear Charles Leclerc mistake and Ferrari then came out and said like today well and they said it was an issue with the car it wasn't his fault and everyone went Mm, yeah it's not uncommon it wouldn't be a weird thing and in fact it would be good management of James Vowles to provide a bit of top cover for his driver that's not Mm -hmm. a crazy conspiracy theory Uh, sorry Antonio yeah it is (laughs) <laughs> but the th- the thing is, I think I think the reason that they've come out and done that is they've noticed that Sergeant doesn't perhaps have the support that they were hoping he would. Bearing in mind he's the only yes. North American driver on the grid, I bet they were hoping with him coming in he would have an army of support. I mean, Trumpets is shaking his head. I mean, you know, he dreams about Ocon, not Sergeant. But that th- you know, I think they were hoping that Sergeant would have a, a, a bunch of support that he unfortunately doesn't. And he's early in his career. He has more than enough time to garner that support. But I think maybe they're looking at contracts for him longer term or they've got plans with him where they need people to support him and they don't want him to be seen as that guy who ends up in the wall. They don't want another Nicholas Latifi. They've had one of those. Mm, they might have another. Matt? It's pretty simple. After the crash, he says something on the car failed. I hit the curb. And then Vowles comes out and says, yeah, that we had, he hit this curb four or five times. He was using it in the race. And the fifth time he hit it, we lost all hydraulics in the car, which meant that immediately for that next turn, he had no steering assist whatsoever. And he crashed. And that's an issue for the team to mm. understand and fix. So that- yeah. I appreciate we're trying to make a mountain out of this particular <laughs> no, molehill. But but mm. in the as far as today's race is concerned, it, all, all there's a consistency between what the driver reported and what the team reported. So to me, there's nothing in it. it his loss today, as I said, I don't believe is driver error. And I don't believe anyone with any sense would believe it was driver error today. 
you may have a point, except for I would probably go back and count up how many other people went off yesterday and today and today and today. (laughs) Rather a lot of them. So I'm inclined to give him a pass now. No, Matt, Occam's razor agrees with you because that is the that's the simplest most straightforward explanation it's just sorry for being boring over it's just it's just driver who puts it in the wall a lot puts it in the wall and and then ah oh, no but it wasn't that it was something else i think i don't think people can be blamed for for having a, a little thing alex last one on that yeah i'm not gonna argue with with matt i think i think it's it's fair um i just want to cover don't off argue with i want to i want to <laughs> cover off a uh, comment in the chat the from martin bainon um which we will people were 100 hey, thinking which is which is um, uh, just because the power steering went doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to steer the car. Now people moan a lot about F1 cars having power steering, and no other ones do. The reason F1 cars have power steering is because of the amount of downforce they generate, and because of how big the tires are. It's not feasible for someone to be as small as F1 drivers have to be to fit in F1 cars and still be able to muscle those things around for seventy laps, two hours with that kind of thing. And also, if all of a sudden you are used to turning a wheel with a particular amount of force, and then all of a sudden it goes away from you when you're in the middle of a fast corner. Seven times the amount of force to make the same turn. Exactly. When you're going through the middle of a corner and all of a sudden you lose all of that, you're Mm. not turning in for the corner. You are going straight to the wall. Maybe all of his crashes have been hydraulic failures. The reason I talk about I don't necessarily believe the defence it's because you don't sit if if you if it's not your fault when you've been crashing a lot you just walk back you want to get you want to get back and go it wasn't my fault it wasn't my fault <laughs> you want to go and defend yourself oh alex he wait, wait sat he, there, he, he sat there sulking like someone who made a mistake he could just have been sad that he was enjoying the race car race and the race car race was finished what position was he in when he crashed i don't remember sort of stroll type region well was he on for points think, yeah with with him crashing and getting the so Williams left both drivers out, mm-hmm. so no safety that. car. Neither Albon nor he is in the points. But if you give him the same safety car uh, redemption that Albon got, then yeah, points. Uh, oh, quickly, uh, Stroll was mentioned there. Was there any explanation for Stroll being so far back with his teammate in P two? He's rubbish and not good enough. Oh, Alex, no, oh. we meant an excuse. Get out of my sport. Oh, but yeah. Uh, split strategy. They put <laughs> oh, okay. him on the medium tire oh, okay, at the yeah. safety car. No. And the medium tire wasn't the tire to be on. Uh, and yes. I was... Even even at that, he still wound up 11th. So, you know. Okay. No, that's fine. I, actually, when I was speaking on the ringer earlier, I was, I was trying to think. I knew that one person had then gone onto the medium and it didn't work. And I couldn't remember who it was. Several it people Stroll. So I, Was it? How yep. many people Would went you to like medium? to know who it was? Because I, this is what I spend all my time doing instead of like Well, we may as well have things. it. So who went to the medium incorrectly? Um, oh, if you didn't have it to hand, car. you've over-promised and under-delivered. Otas, Hulkenberg, Lawson, Stroll, and Joe. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And oh, all but no. Joe went to that at the safety car. Joe was put on the mediums earlier, which was really inexplicable unless he'd somehow accidentally ruined all his softs in an industrial accident or something. <laughs> Okay, Antonio, you were trying to get in there. Oh, sorry, was I? I think um, it was Stroll. I, I think we were still on Stroll. Oh, yeah, no. I mm. did, with Stroll, I actually think he had a pretty decent race given that he oh. was on the I with give, given that he was on the alternate strategy which was the suboptimal strategy, I actually think to recover to 
or recover to 11th, but he actually put in a pretty good performance. He was, you know, don't get me wrong, he wasn't pushing for positions up top at the top of the grid, but he also wasn't in mega trouble at the bottom and he just kept his race ticking on. So, you know, I actually think kudos to him, to be honest. Mm, okay, so uh, look, we're getting towards the end of the show. We're moving towards the awards. And Matt pointed out that we haven't yet mentioned Ferrari. So I'll go to Alex and say, hey, what about that Verstappen thing where he just shoved the car off track and didn't get penalised? Try again, but not on mute. Do you know what? It's this no, new Riverside. No, that's worse. Do it on mute. Do it, do it on mute. I prefer it on mute. <laughs> it's yeah, this new Riverside, Riverside thing. Go back, go back. It, 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 anyway, I'm, bl- I'm blaming the software. It's the first week on the new software. Um, Hydraulic failure, was it, Alex? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, it's, it's the old Max Verstappen rules isn't it for racing where it's one rule for him and one rule for everybody else so for those of you who want to recap of it he was battling with one of the alpines i think it was ocon was it ocon gasly gasly sorry it was the good it was the good one i I got 50 percent. they look pretty much Um, the same so i can understand uh, it's just it was it's the one that's further forward He got very, very, he got very, very close to him on multiple occasions, very nearly nicking the rear of his car. And then, in, then into turn three or the big banked corner, he sent it down the middle, like lots of people um, had been trying to sort of send it down the, the bottom banking of the, the bottom of the banking, and understeered almost completely into the wall, um, and completely and utterly run ran Gasly out of road over to push him over the white lines. Now I've had people on Twitter tell me that it was um, a block, uh, a, a block pass. Block. No, it's not and a I'm block sorry. pass. No. Uh, it's not a block pass because mm. that's not how a block pass works. No, a, a block pass block is pass, more, yeah, um, go on, you explain. Sorry. A block pass is when you compromise somebody through their exit of the corner while still leaving them room to exist. So you will you will get them wide as wide as they can possibly go and stay in their space where they can't get on the power. That's a block pass. Running somebody off the track is He's not a block pass, and I'm never track. and I'm never going to be okay with it. And obviously, people will come back and say, "Oh, Lewis at Lewis at USA." Yeah, we called him on it. Yeah, Lewis at Canada you know, against Rosberg. Go, we go called back, him on it. Yeah. Watch that show, whatever it was against Nico Rosberg back in the 14s, 15s, yeah, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, we always called we him told on him it. off for shoving yeah. for shoving Nico off the circuit. Yeah. All the time, we the amount of times we said, "Nico, just stay there, hold your ground, watch him hit you, and he will get penalised for it." Which is actually what we said to Lewis all the way through twenty twenty one. Yeah, just hold let it, hold him it. hit you. Yeah, um, you got to do it once because, or twice and let the stewards make a call on it. Yeah, and apparently it happened in the F two race in the exact same fashion, but because there was contact. Yeah. That's why it was penalised. And and the contact caused the other driver to retire from the race. And this is where the stewards are penalising the consequence and not the rather action. than the action. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Matt, get in there. I, I was just going to say, show me the contact. <laughs> you, say, you, you, you say he got shoved off the track. There's very little room off track there. Did he hit the wall? No, no, no. no, no. Oh. There, there is room. There is room, Matt. There is room to be off track and not in the wall. Did he hit the wall? No. Did he it's hit irrelevant. Max? He got no. run off track. Did he, can, did he if, carry if, on? Yes. If he, if you want a penalty, he needs no, to be No, so, so I, I think the rules are clear now, though, that if you're alongside, I think that he was entitled to, to be allowed room to stay on the track. I don't really think there's any doubt in the way the rules have been detailed thus far. Antonia? No, I actually I think it's a really interesting point, actually, penalising the consequence, not the actual action, because I don't think... 
for example, Perez coming into the pits a little bit too quickly. I think that would have been written off as aquaplaning had he not made contact with the pit wall on entry. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, you know, I think yeah. that would have completely slipped under the radar. So no, I th- and I think generally speaking, there is a little bit of that in F1 at, with the FIA where there's a lot of, oh, there's a consequence. Let's react to that rather than enforcing a constant standard. Okay, uh, but Alex, I think Matt's point is is essentially that if a driver gets out of the way, he's sort of given up the corner. Like he didn't have to give up the corner, I think is Matt's point. Yeah, show me the contact. Like he it's was not like Pierre kept his nose in, and there was like a, a dink on a side pot or something so, like that. So he are we saying drove off the track and ceded the place to Verstappen? So Gasly is penalized. <laughs> so Gasly is penalized for uh, avo- avoiding for, avoiding a crash, uh, which Verstappen said, "Right, it's going to be a crash now." Uh, you know, the, and the, everyone lords that with Senna. I mean, he so- could have done what Russell did at Sonoda and keep him tight even though Sunoda was on super old tires and there was contact and Sunoda got the penalty so it seems to be the way the FIA does things I mean Gas I'm not Gasly um uh, Verstappen puts a lot of faith in other drivers getting out of his way because if Gasly had held his he held his ground in that which again we keep saying that they should they're absolutely winning Alonso the crash wins. he would have gone he would Alonso wins which also fills me with dread um and he goes in and absolutely annihilates Gasly. That's what happens if Gasly doesn't move and Gasly's seen it coming and he's gone, he's probably gone, I'm not going to race and beat Verstappen, so I'll get out the way, I've got the room. But it's a very, very dirty piece of racetrack out there. So it would have been very, very easy for Gasly to lose it and hit the wall while trying to avoid Max Verstappen. And then Max might have actually got a penalty because He's put him out there and caused the consequence. I think that is so interesting that you've said that because I completely agree. Max banks on people being terrified of him because again, and this is Red Bull's tactics, in my opinion, paying off really well where they put Max on this pedestal where no one can beat him. So don't even try, you know, even Gazi, who came in P3 in that race, he was the third fastest guy there. He's, he's, well, Fourth. What, what, yeah, 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 pep, whatever. There was five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> my point being <laughs> my point being um oh see I've, I've lost my train of thought now thanks matt i'll rescue no. you go on you, but I, just, I just think that they're banking on other drivers you know yeah. if, if it's why max in a race where he starts from the bottom of the grid works his way up so quickly because how many of those drivers actually race him how many times does Kevin Magnussen go, actually, let's have a scrap here? We, no, they don't want to waste their ties against someone who they think that there is no way they'll ever have a battle with. They just let him straight through. So that's why he, after lap one, he's up to he's up to P10. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness, how's he done that? Because they're all bending over. Simple. <laughs> wow. OK, not the language I'd have used, but. We have a similar issue in our iRacing competition, which, by the way, the next round is broadcast on the Mist Apex Motorsport channel on Friday. And we don't have Chris, our regular commentator, or Chris, our our second commentator. So if you want to tune in to listen to me fumbling around calling a race, do tune into that. Uh, That is on Friday. But we've had a similar issue with our reverse grids where people just weren't fighting the, the defending champion, Danny Henney, and they were letting them through. And I had to kind of email the whole entry list to go, stop just letting him by on the reverse grid races. You are entitled to fight him for your position on track. And and people are just not fighting Verstappen. And it's part of the interviews. George Russell says, okay, 
he's going to be off on his Sunday drive uh, waving to the crowd, uh, but I'll try and beat Norris. They don't even factor him in. So every single race, Verstappen lines up P1, and we all hope that someone's going to make a lunge or or an attack on on lap one, and no one's going to do it except one driver. There's only one driver, despite what he said today, there's only one driver I think is actually up. (laughs) No, it's Alonso. Alonso. Alonso is the only driver who's genuinely up for, yeah, I'll have a scrap, Mm. whatever. Yeah, yeah, screw it. I'll have a scrap. Let's go. Uh, all... It's why I wanted a standing start today. Yes, I think that would have been the only chance. Like when it was, I yeah, tweeted with, about it. Yeah, so with Alonso being P two, Alonso will genuinely like be like, yeah, I'll have a punt. I know he made a joke about not doing that afterwards, uh, but yeah, I think everyone else is doing championship maths and going, no, it's not worth it. Just let him go. And uh, yeah, so yeah, Verstappen can literally do what he wants. And and as I said after twenty twenty one, everyone should be driving like Verstappen. If you had twenty drivers doing exactly what Verstappen does in those situations, then let's see what the stewards do. Because right now, no one drives as aggressively as Verstappen. And when Verstappen drives that aggressively, people get out of his way. So we don't really know if there would be consistency among these decisions with the stewards. It is not Verstappen's fault. But this is where it pains me to agree with Catman on when he was on here the other week. And he mentioned the fact that 2021 actually wasn't that good a, good a season because the racing was so bad. Yeah. And that is absolutely a, an effect of, of Max Verstappen, you know, and you take Max Verstappen out of this season and we've got an amazing season, um, you know, potentially one of the best seasons, but because Max has not only just walked it, he's been ruthless in every single aspect of it. And everyone's scared of him. It's kind of like the center effect, but the difference was back when Senna was doing it, there was a bigger chance of death if you decided to crash with Ed Senna. There is less of a chance of that these days. Um, and and But they're still just jumping out of the way because they want the points. They, want, they don't want to be in the war. They want to finish their races. And, you know, I, I, I don't like that style of driving. I'm um, Listen, when it comes to karting or sim racing, I'm one of the hardest people you'll come across. You're a bit of a turnip, to be honest, on the kart track. So, yeah, you are really no, in a very glass house here. Uh, can we go but to... I won't, but, I, but hang on. But I won't shove people off the circuit. I will give people room. I will be uh, aggressive, but cit- I, will, I will still leave room. Oh, okay, citation needed. Uh, Matt and Antonio, and then let's move on. Yeah, I just want to get away from the idea that the drivers are, quote, unquote, scared of Max. I think there's any number of drivers who would race him extremely hard, but... When your car is a second a lap or even half a second a lap slower, there's just no real point to it unless you're two laps from the end and in front. And so what you're seeing is just a recognition of the reality of the job Red Bull has done with his car and the pace that they have over the entire field. And and you will see when people have a sniff of victory, it gets harder for him. But if I'm in a McLaren, I mean, we saw Norris at Silverstone, like, like really chasing him. You know, it's, it's not the drivers are scared. It's just they're being realistic about what they've got going for them on this particular race day. Yeah, perhaps scared is the wrong word. But like Jeezy said, they might not be scared of death. No, but a career death, perhaps. You don't want to be that guy who picks up damage, gets crashed into, wears the tires out, fighting someone who, in your opinion, your race isn't with 
But I think that is a lot of the reason that we're having these quote unquote boring races is because no one is willing to get their elbows out because they don't think it's worth it. They don't think that there's anything to fight for. And that's it's so it's not just fans who are twiddling their thumbs going, oh, well, who cares? The season's been won anyway. The races are all the same. Max is going to win. The drivers think it too. They, they are so resolved to the fact that they are not the fastest car on the grid. They've, they're not the best driver on the grid that they've almost lost their willingness to prove themselves because they don't think they possibly could. And that is, I think, what's contributing to these stagnant races where Max can start from anywhere on the grid and come in first with a massive gap. Yes, of course, because of his immeasurable talent, but also because no one is willing to waste their tyres or quote, or just waste their time, as they believe, on actually fighting him. Well, I think my answer to that is, well done, Red Bull. <laughs> well done, Verstappen. What a position to have worked yourself into. It's the Dutch Grand Prix race review for Mr. Apex podcast. And yes, we haven't had the same amount of DJ vibe. My goodness, was that Zandvoort track lit. Had I been 10 years younger, I would still be looking at the atmosphere at the Dutch Grand Prix and, and be saying, wow, I that makes me want to nap. That was intense. There was a lot going on there. And I'm glad they're all enjoying themselves. The Dutch Grand Prix is very, very quickly stamping its name on the F1 calendar, along with the Mexican Grand Prix as a track with atmosphere, as a track and a fan base that are really, really enjoying their F1. It's very, very hard to begrudge that. Curse you, successful rival fan base. But the F1 gods blessed us with a fantastic Grand Prix, uh, some fantastic viewing, and if we can just find a way to edit in real time the amount of red flag time that means that we can just kind of skip forward. <laughs> can we have a real life like uh, uh, TiVo where we can just press a button and, and, and skip all of that so that we can get back to the restart? That would be perfect. But apart from that, no complaints for my Sunday watching Formula One. If you like the theme music to Formula One, check the show notes below because Gareth McRae is available to make music for your podcast, TV show or advertising. And if you listen back to our summer programme, You'll, you'll have caught a chat with me and uh, Magnus Greaves, who produces the fantastic Race Weekend magazine. It's a little bit fancy and it's a little bit posh and it's priced appropriately, but it will make you look like an uber F1 fan to your to your friends and family who come round to visit. So go and check the, the link for Race Weekend magazine. Missed Apex gets a cut of that, so you're also supporting us and you get a brilliant product. Please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Now, let's get on with the awards. So the first award we have is the Good Thing Award. Okay, so I'm going to look around the panel and see who's been the brightest ray of positivity on the panel. And alarmingly, it's been Matt. So Matt, you've been the most positive person. Who's your good oh thing? God. I know it's, this is this is shocking. Have you been drinking? No, but I'm second. I'm the second most positive person on this show. <laughs> so you and me get to go first with the good thing awards. After you, I'm going to go with Williams and Alex Albon in particular. They have shown the world that they have recovered from the depths of finishing dead last in Formula One. And Albon in particular, I want to hold out as a model to all Formula One drivers because he went up to the microphone today and said, 
Well, you know, we need to understand what's happening here. But uh, like there was this thing where in all the low speed corners, we had a headwind. So I think we've got some new information to deal with. Could every driver just please like, you know, send me telemetry, the reports from your engineers post race. It would just help me a lot. And I promise I will tell no one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it to myself. But it's finding the positive, even when it doesn't quite, you know, go to your your liking. So I spent a whole week producing a short audio book. I got ninety five percent of the way in, and Matt, I called you to cry about it. And then the, the project got cancelled. Like the last chapter, it got cancelled. And you go, it's easy to be crushed about that. But you go, actually, I learned loads about the process. I learned quite a lot about how I use this particular microphone, for example. And so hopefully that will advance the podcast and future audio books. So if he's if he's in that positive mindset where, yeah, we qualified fourth, we, you know, we didn't end up on the podium. But look, we're, we're discovering things about these nuanced parts of our car in this particular situation. I think that shows to me that is a team that's that's on the up. And, and you, it's it's really difficult to not point at. James Vowles, because there's a very distinct line between awful, 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 James Vowles, positive, 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 results, results, results. It's, I, I would find it very hard to go away from that conclusion. Oh, so you want me to argue with you? Uh, no, bit- no, agree. Agree like in a, like a yes man. All I want is to be surrounded by yes men. Oh, well, sorry oh, no, about that. No, no I, I would just go what Vowles' particular genius is is he's taken the base that Capito laid and he's, instead of running them backwards, managed to move it forwards. And there's very few people walking in. I mean, Ferrari, we can look what's going to happen with Alpine here in another race or two. He's walked in the door and managed to make it better what was already there without completely messing it up. And that alone is a pretty big feat in a Formula One paddock. Cool. I am giving my thing of the weekend to Daniel Ricciardo because he was faced with the choice of hitting Piastri or the wall and having to keep his hand, I believe, having to keep his hands on the steering wheel in order to to ensure that he hit the wall and not Piastri and he paid the price for it. So I'm giving it to Danny Rick. That's fair, isn't it, Alex? That's in karting. Sometimes you have to pick between hitting the wall or hitting the or the hitting the driver. He, he- he absolutely decided not to hit exactly the one car yeah. side on at speed. Um, so yeah, he does need to be commended for that. Um, and it, yeah, it, that, the the way it snapped out of his hand looked particularly yeah. violent and not nice. Um, so um, yes, speedy Good. recovery um, for him. We'll probably hopefully see him at Singapore, which is not it's a too great soon. race to come back. From <laughs> Feels hand, like it's too which soon. Is not a great race to yeah. come. To come back from with a hand in. Have you broken bones? I, have you broken bones? I've broken a lot of bones. No. I've broken touch, Have you touch, never broken bones? <gasps> never broken bones. I've broken I've broken a maybe, maybe, maybe my little toe. Apart oh, okay. So have you tried being in a train and crash? I've done lots of stupid things. Like that guy in uh, Unbreakable? You could be the guy from Unbreakable. Bruce Willis. Yep, yeah, that could be you. Uh, so, Alex, uh, thing of the weekend for you. Um. Well, Matt took what was going to be mine. So I'm going to go with something that happened in my household, which was um, when I was um, cheering something that Hulkenberg did. And I went, yay, Hulk. 
And then my <laughs> wife had to explain to my five-year-old that not Hulk that Hulk, not the Incredible Hulk, yeah, ah, and that he right. can't just smash his way through all the other drivers um, to, to to win the race because that would be illegal. And then having to explain what illegal was. Um, so yeah, that was that. That's my thing of the weekend because Matt stole it from me, and I had nothing else. Fair enough. Uh, Rob Asher in the live chat says, "Are we sure Danny wasn't aiming for Oscar and just missed?" <laughs> That's mean. That is mean. Uh, speaking of mean, Antonio Rankin, TikTok hey. sensation. How's the TikToks going? People still tuning in? Yeah. Yeah. Is it all right? Yeah. Still, they're still, what, what, 14 it would seconds? Be better if you were nice to me. Are they like 14 that. seconds long, your TikToks? Like, hey, I think the F1 race was good today. And then, like, an outro music, <laughs> yeah, and then it. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, doing good, busy. I know you do yeah. good. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You're in sensation on there, and I advise everyone to go and click the links in the show notes below to go and check out what you're doing within TikTok and beyond because you're starting to make me very, very jealous in the atmosphere. <laughs> okay. Positivity. Who positivity. did a good thing? What was the good thing? How was the good thing? I'm going to give my positive tea to um, Piastri because I, I think P9, he, he just deserved better. Not that I think anything can be deserved in F1, but he... He drove really, really well today. He gave a really mature, good drive. He he really did a great job. And um, I kind of wish he'd done a little bit better in the end than he did. So as if my commendation means anything. It this does. Is That's him. what this award is about. But like, I think it's fair to say like he is he's really in in the pocket. It, he's in that same zone as as Norris. He seems to be just like a smidge of a step behind. But the consistency, the racing, everything like he he pulled off some great uh, overtakes today as well. Yeah, mm. I honestly think him and Lando together with with this McLaren that seems to be vastly improving. I think they can be a really, really great combination. And I'm so excited to see in the latter half of the season how they get on or whether it will be fireworks and flames and their heads will butt. Water and a grease fire. <laughs> I can't, I actually That's what can't you're going to get, because let's yeah. face it, if Piastri hadn't flat spotted his tires and yes you can lay you can say that's his fault he was on the same strategy as Albon, but about two places ahead he would have been ahead of norris in today's race if he hadn't flat spotted those tires and if i'm norris i'm like well he's still flat spotting his tires but oh oh the looming battle has me already making the popcorn all right let's get negative it's the bad thing award oh no you missed the apex Speaking of bad things, uh, let's talk about Alex Van Jean and our upcoming matchup on Saturday, next Saturday. You and me in like open wheel, proper owner driver carts. And I am scared, but uh, let's just talk about the series briefly. Uh, you and I are going to be in these these non-comfortably bumpered uh, carts. I'm used to my nice rental carts with the bumpers and it, I've take, literally taken out a life insurance policy before getting into these carts. You'll be absolutely fine. So I, I will it's a die. New series. I'm going to it's, die. It, it's a new series called GX UK, and they are trying to make karting, uh, owner karting, affordable. Uh, it's using um, older Rotax chassis, no older than eight, no older than 2018, with a so single GX 200 yeah. engine, which is what you get in a normal rental car, basically. Um, but they're really light, nimble chassis, and they're great to drive. Um, uh, to the point where I've bought a car. You so loser. It's the first time, first time in my life, I, I, I'm, 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 I've taken a dive. Into oh, okay, Antonio, what did you call him for for owning his own car? 
No, we I can't. We can't, can't say it on here. Yeah, we can't show. repeat it. We can't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're an own cart something something. Exactly, and um, it's a really great fun group of people as well. Cool. We're in a WhatsApp chat, which talking about a lot. Um, and Brad's using a cart as well. So yeah, we're off racing okay, cool. at Shennington next weekend, um, which is up in Banbury, and you're going to have a practice. And I think you'll be absolutely fine. Okay. Um, the the threat is obviously they are open wheel, so if you do clang into somebody you, you i will die break. yeah you can't you won't die you're not going fast enough to die it's fine <laughs> okay um but no we are super looking Much. forward to it you, and if you do want to um watch along if you go to alpha live uh the website alpha live uh, timing you can see all the races all live timed on the sunday i didn't know that sunday. oh okay well i'm not in the races i'm just in the practice so but there will you're be some the vid- practice there will be safe. some video footage of that so look out for that anything. um uh, alex what was your bad thing award for this weekend? Oh, it's Mercedes doing an amazing Ferrari impression. I mean, honestly, they let both their drivers down. They threw away the possibility of both cars fighting for the podium. Whether both cars would have been on the podium, I don't know. But they at least ruined that opportunity for both their drivers to go and fight for a podium with dumb strategy calls basically the whole weekend, apart from... Um, the, the the Lewis strategy going straight to the softs eventually uh, yeah. before everybody else. Yeah. Apart from that, it was a it was a SH one T show. Okay. Well, I can't spell, so that's fine. So uh, my bad thing award actually, I actually do want to praise the broadcast, but I'll start with the bad thing about it, which was kept missing Lewis Hamilton overtakes. So there was there was one where Lewis Hamilton got a great run on Carlos Sainz into thirteen fourteen down the back straight, and then it just cut to. Perez following Alonso or something like that, just something inane. And and we actually missed like three or four Lewis Hamilton overtakes. And and that was the, you know, him and, and Norris and Piastri coming through the field. That that was the race. That was the thing to watch. However, I will say there was some spectacular shots. Something has changed. So that whilst the direction was missing stuff, something about the videography, there was a lots of like tight shots, but appropriately spaced. There was amazing helicopter shots. The cars looked fast, and that's the whatever they did to make the F1 cars look fast this weekend. Keep keep doing that, okay? Uh, who have we not gone with? Uh, Antonia, what was the bad thing award for you this weekend? Um, I do have one, but I would I have to agree about the organization of why did we have five minutes of replays on like lap three? Uh, that that's was really I can annoying. tell you why. I can tell you why. That is a conscious oh. thing they decided to do because they think that that is bringing the action to the viewer at the point that the race has settled down. So that was when I, you know, name drop, when I was chatting to Rob Smedley here, here on the, the show, he didn't know he was going to be on the podcast. Um, it was like a press junket thing and he got surprised with it. But yeah, he said like that is a, a conscious thing we're trying to do. And at the time they were trying to bring loads of telemetry stuff. So they were trying to bring driver inputs. And you remember the whole reaction time thing? That was something they pushed. And the only thing that really survived out of that was this constant replay of the start on lap two or three. And and I think as sort of mature race fans, we just want to watch the action actually as it's unfolding. Yeah, personally, mm. I just I, I I feel like we're missing out. I'm like, but we just got started. Don't show us what we've just seen. I that uh, that might be a personal thing though. If they're running that, it must be a popular thing. But I just personally, do. and anyway, my bad thing, my my bad thing is, and it's not Joe's fault necessarily that he crashed. He just crashed at a really inconvenient time for my personal research of how effective these wet tires are. 
if we'd have had a little bit more time with the Red Bulls on these wet tyres, I would have loved to see how long they could have run for, whether they were kicking up too much water, because they shift something like 72 litres of water per second, these Centrato blue tyres. It's crazy. Um, and I would have loved to see how effective they were because we haven't had a lot of wet running actually this season because it's either been crazy torrential rain that's not been raceable or not enough. And I would have loved to let it pan out just a little bit more. But, you know, can't blame Joe. Stuff happens. He crashed. He crashed. Sarah, Sarah. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> but Do you agree. But because you have backdoored Ocon into the conversation again. How? I point out that he was the first person on the wet tires and the ca- crash of Joe absolutely killed any chance he had of making up the late pit stop that he and Albin had. So I agree with you. It was very inconvenient. I just don't timed. appreciate you leveraging Ocon I to agree yeah, with And, and also, that's why I couldn't resist. And also, Matt, how did how did Ocon take his uh, the decision to put him onto wet tires? Oh, he was gallically unhappy. He was very unhappy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Matt. I I wasn't going to bring it up at all, but you just... Oh, you so just hung it story. out there. So okay, you hung it out there, and I couldn't resist. Sorry, I apologize. Viewers. Oh my goodness, this show has been chaos. This this has been Chris, Christian and Kyle levels of chaos. I expected better from all of you, Matt. Who missed the apex for you? Ah, you know, I've been I've been going over my um, my pet stops and and looking at it, and and really, when you come down to it, I got to be kind of angry at good old Charlie Leclerc. I know we didn't do the whose fault is it anyway, but in these conditions, the Ferrari was very challenging to drive, but not impossible. I mean, you had Carlos finishing fifth. And I went and I looked at that incident between him and Norris. And, uh, and like, hang on, wait, wait, what was your conclusion? Whose fault is it? You looked at the incident, Matt. Go on, and, and? I looked at all the incidents. And my conclusion was, well, he just got on the throttle early and spun the rears up and clattered into Lando, permanently damaged his car, and cost Ferrari their lead over McLaren in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, McLaren? Aston, sorry. Aston in the Constructors' Championship. And this is why, as talented a driver as he is, it's entirely difficult yet to take him seriously as a contender for a championship if he's given the car because he just keeps on doing little things like this yeah man yeah man he always seems to just push it that 101 percent. and he crashed in qualifying yep. and he crashed in qualifying as well yeah let's stick and was that. constantly off the road all weekend i i leclerc is fast enough to be brilliant he isn't consistent enough to be brilliant. can i defend a little bit because signs was also kept going off on on turn one so that, yeah, that's that, a hard car. Yeah, that yeah. car is difficult to drive. And like the fact that they got to Q3. It's not just this season. You, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. But when, when Leclerc hit the wall in Q3, I went, oh, they've done well to get this far without wrapping <laughs> Armco around them. Uh, yeah. So. No, I, I, I'm sorry. Leclerc has a history at the moment of just been in the car. He is a crasher, especially in practice, which can't help anything to do with development on the cars uh, going forwards. You know, do they want to give him parts? Cause he might wreck them. Um, I, I, I really like Leclerc. I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's mega fast. Like 
properly, properly, mega, mega fast. But he just is in these kind of positions far too often. And you don't... And Lewis got it out of his system early. Max got it out of his system early. And they went on to be great. Leclerc has still got it. And he is in the position where he is the lead driver at one of the most the most historic team in Formula One. And he keeps going off. And it's got and he's about to sign another massive deal, maybe. Oh, let's hope not. Look, Madness. look, that is this is, by the way, an example to any F1 content creators. If you want to completely slate someone, start off by saying, I think they seem nice. And then continue with the character assassination. So someone who I think is a very, very nice guy is Alex Van Jean. And you should go and follow him at uh, Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. I'm even trying to do more on Instagram now as well. He, 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 don't worry, he won't follow through with that. But do go and follow him on Instagram and look out for us going head to head in practice in karting. I got to say, he is a super nice guy. He barely hit me at all at the last karting event. Yeah. Okay. The karting event in ages. Don't talking about. Follow you at the last karting event, which was the joke there. Okay. Follow Matt Trumpets uh, at MattPT55, and uh, yeah. keep a lookout for him advertising the chance to go and see him live playing trumpet in New York. Follow me. I'm at Spanners Ready on Twitter. Follow my Instagram. I'm starting to post things and check out uh, my daughter singing a song as well on Instagram too. And uh, I think I'm Spanners Ready on there. I'm the best one. Uh, next, probably, or maybe third or fourth, is Antonia Rankin. Go and follow the TikTok channel, which is F1 Antonia. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Nailed I got it. it. There you go. And seriously, I know some people, are they turn their nose up and they go, oh, stupid TikTok. But it's, it's really bite-sized content. All of our attention spans are going down. You don't waste a word. You don't waste our time. You get to the point and the content gets streamed at us. And hits us in the face. I, I hit the mic. There you go. Does that make you feel better? I got. Oh, I, I got a mic. After the yeah. WhatsApp messages yes, and the DMs and all. Of, Wait, and I'm on, plugging your content for goodness' reminder. sake. <laughs> okay, so go and follow Antonio's content on TikTok. Even if that's your introduction to TikTok, you won't regret it. Links are in the show notes below. I'm recovering from the humiliation of doing the thing I always tell them not to do. Uh, we will join you, I think, because I'm going on a little holiday. So I will find you again for the. Monza Grand Prix at 8 p.m. next Sunday. Until then, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast Chaos. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.